episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. Oh, it's been too long. It feels good to do this. Actually, <laughs> it feels really good. <laughs> new year, new uh, pod. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and uh, Movie Mumble is basically like a book club, but for movies. Uh, four idiot friends get together, take turns <laughs> picking movies, hey. watching them, and then talking about it. Um, <laughs> Three idiot friends and Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's always my oh. objection as well. <laughs> uh, basically, the four of us take turns picking movies, watching them together, and then talking about them. Uh, the whole thing is sort of based on the idea that we get more out of the experience when we share it with each other, and that we bring things, both films and ideas, to the table that we would otherwise miss out on. There are no rules about what films we can pick, old or new, or foreign or domestic, animated live action, etc., anything at all. And at the end of each episode, we announce what we're watching next month, so you can sort of watch along with us. If you're ever worried about spoilers, uh, we recommend you watch the film before listening to the episode, as we don't make any effort to hold spoilers back. Mm -hmm. This month, Joel was our movie selector. Boy, it was I. Yes, you were. <laughs> and we are joined, as always, by our uh, stalwart adventuring comrades, Tim Gerard. Hello. And Zeke Perez. Hello. Do you think they'd go into a dogs. weird zone with us? <laughs> yes. First, first ever episode with dogs present. Um, Our yeah, canine co-hosts. Canine co-hosts. I like that. I like the alliteration. Joel, you brought us the Andrei Tarkovsky film Stalker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you would please introduce the film to us, how it came to be in your life, why you chose it, and tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Um, so when I was studying abroad, um, one of my flatmates was just a real big film buff um and we were talking about kind of like existential crises with regards to writing and why to write and he showed me the um you writers having one right just talking about it. <laughs> well and he showed Are you ever me not having one well, <laughs> <it's true. laughs> okay, okay. well and he he had shown me the writer's soliloquy in in the the um the meat grinder scene Mm -hmm. And it just stuck in my head for a long time. And I, for a while, I couldn't remember what film it was from. And then when I figured out what it was, I, I delayed seeing it because I was nervous. Because if that scene spoke to me and like hurt me in my soul so <laughs> intimately, I wasn't sure I was ready to watch the whole film. Um, and then I guess it was, it might have been year before last or last year, I finally sat down and watched it. And it broke my brain it, it it's and admittedly the first no well the first two times i watched it, i fell asleep halfway through because of its its pacing mm -hmm. and the fact that it's a read a movie it's it's not yelling at your attention really like i mean you, it's not something you want to watch too late in the day sorry about the timing <laughs> of yeah. us watching it um right, we didn't fall asleep like with kanaskatsi though right but uh yeah, um, it's it's to to segue into a, a bad plot summary. It's um, X Men Origins Scarlet Witch. <laughs> there at the end, there we get some mutant powers, which is kind of cool. But it's it's essentially about a stalker who is a a guide of sorts that takes um, people into this um, forbidden zone where a meteorite or a alien spacecraft or nuclear <laughs> reactor gone wrong is created this room that supposedly grants your innermost desires so it's about stalker taking 
um, the professor and the writer, these strange, twisted characters into the heart of the zone, and the philosophical debates that they have on the way there, and... It's basically a road trip movie. Um, <laughs> but with, Super fun. With the looming specter of of the unknown, mm. I guess, hanging over them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I just want the professor to be Nicolas Cage when we have the American <laughs> remake. This would be perfect. And Woody Harrelson needs to be the stalker. Yeah. yeah. Can, oh, he already can is. See that. It's so oh, close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. His face is so who's, similar. Who's a writer then? <laughs> I got a little bit of an Ed Harrisy vibe from him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we've done it. Okay, Woody Allison, <laughs> uh, Nicholas Cage, and Ed Harrison. You just said? yeah, yeah. Ed Harris. Those are three. Ed Harris. Great. Done. All right. Hollywood. You heard it. Go do it. It's the first <laughs> time I didn't mix him up with Ed Helms. Yeah. <laughs> first on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> this would be Hangover Four. It was Ed Helms. <laughs> <laughs> Or was it five? I lost track of the number of them. Four, it would be four. <laughs> so There's only one worth seeing. <laughs> what uh, encouraged you to bring Stalker to us this month, Joel? This... I mean, after Bronson, this is the film that comes to mind when I think of the, the philosophy of this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's something that... I, I it, it was a long courtship for me to sit down and watch this film by myself, and I was motivated to. It's one that's on a lot of people's to-see list but haven't seen list. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that is so profound and unique a viewing experience, at least for me, that it's really... I basically just wanted to share that experience with you guys because yeah. I don't know if it, it's impacted you even close to what it is to me but like just to be able to have us all sit down and see it because I've had conversations with people who have seen the film and were blown away by it but it's like months since they've seen it recently and it's fresh in my mind so it, it's mostly uh, selfish because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind and then get to just spew commentary at you guys about it um, but yeah w- once I had seen it as like this is something that I really want to share with the podcast because it's so unique and it's such a film's film in quotation marks if that's even a thing that's yeah. kind of how i conceive of it but <laughs> no i get you for sure but yeah i'd be interested to hear what your guys's first initial impression i mean you this is a very silent watching experience i hope that wasn't because of anything i did but it just felt like everybody's like afraid to talk and <laughs> I, i'm glad we watched it in silence but i didn't want to be the reason that the we watched you, it but i was either my attention was held wrapped or when I thought of something I thought I really don't want to taint what the film is doing with my stupid words my dumb mouth so that was one of the reasons for my own silence they were good reasons I was busy reading okay (laughs) (laughs) trying to keep up (laughs) need more practice with subtitles which this podcast will do for you (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah I guess I'll start um so I think, I mean, as far as the the mission of this podcast, right, broadening um, my cinematic horizons, I think this did this in a, in a number of ways, right? I think, um, you know, I'm not very well versed in foreign films. Um, I thought this was older than it was. It, it, it watched, it's or, very yeah, modern. viewed a lot older. Mm-hmm. And then we got to the end and then the, the, you know, the screen was up there and it was 1979. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I thought it was much older than that. But even then, right, it's it's not it's recent, but not that recent. So I'm not well versed in that era, mm -hmm. I don't think. Um, you know, so in a lot of ways, it was something new for me. So I really appreciated that. Uh, you know, 2020, new year, new me, all that good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you didn't catch me, but there were a few times where I was falling asleep with the pacing. No, that's ah, a, you that, guys fed me yeah. pizza and it's Friday night. It was a long and a couple too. beers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dozed yeah. off a couple yeah. times. I did too. There were a lot of yeah. there were a lot of long shots in there, right? Like there were a lot of like somebody's just walking and it seems to go on for five minutes. Yeah, um, there's so, a, there's only 150 shots. Oh, in wow. this which is unheard of even in modern day. Right. Like it, it's it's a there's some agonizingly long shots. Yeah. Especially so the rail car as they're going into the zone. Mm -hmm. That that's is like a, that's yeah. a six <laughs> minute I was so <laughs> fucking confused when I woke up. It's so like, oh, it's in color now. What the hell's going on? <laughs> I was well, awake for the transition, which was nice. It was yeah. like, oh, some mm -hmm. Wizard of Oz shit here. Exactly, yeah. Black exactly, and white yeah. color or the sepia. In some ways, Tim, like waking up to it being a color is just as shocking <laughs> as the actual shot. Like the yeah. shot is almost a peaceful, like, Oh, there's color in this world. Like, but like waking up to it's like, fuck, there's color. That's also yeah. cool. Like, is this another movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I think some of the longer shots weren't my favorite, mm -hmm. um, but there were a lot of things that I did like a lot. I mean, you mentioned the writer's uh, soliloquy. I loved that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I kind of perked up for that, and then I kind of perked up uh, for the creepy mutant girl at the end. Mm -hmm. Right, I wanted more of that monkey. Uh, monkey. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering. Is that if it was like a, just and then por porcupine's dead, right? Yeah. Okay. Is Bunky is, like a normal name in? in I think they're all code names. The, they're all code names, even for the daughter. He, and he even says it. He calls her Monkey to his wife. Yeah. So I presume that weird. it's a pet name that is also her his code name for her. Mm, okay. To just protect them because he's this yeah. illegal smuggler illegal guide, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah, so with that last scene, I was almost like, I don't know, I feel like I would enjoy the sequel or the, mm -hmm. the prequel, maybe even mm -hmm. more. Right? Yeah. Just show me the show me the mutant girl moving stuff. Like, that, sound, <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, but as a whole, I mean, you know, there were there were a couple things that were a little draggy for me, but it's something new, and I, I really enjoyed it. So nice. Yeah, it was it was funny that you brought up Wizard of Oz too, because <laughs> that was one of the things. It, it first came into my mind when they were still in like the the original world when they were trying to get to the car at one point like the guy who's hiding from like the military who are shooting at him like falls into like this field of flowers yeah. like behind a wall and i was like oh it kind of reminded me of like the field of poppies kind mm. of and then um yeah definitely you know when the when the color change happens and so at that point i was like okay let me look for more wizard of oz stuff and mm. and a lot of what i was kind of thinking um even when like when he was throwing the the bolts with the uh uh the bandages attached mm -hmm. to them it was almost like and i this could be stretching but it was almost like a follow the yellow brick road like there's this windy path they had to mm -hmm. take it wasn't like it's right there let's go to it it was mm -hmm. kind of this like okay we've got to go around and that kind of served the purpose of like laying the path which I'm assuming that was just to kind of like, you know, let's see if there are any traps. Almost like, you know, if you're walking through a minefield, like, yeah. let's throw a thing. Okay, it didn't blow up. We can step there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, part of what I was thinking is, like, the idea of them. It's like, are they like the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion? Like, is that kind of, is it like Wizard of Oz without Dorothy? You know? <laughs> so it's so just kind of like loosely letting that kind of, like, come about. And 
I'm sure if I and that movie read definitely would have predated this and the the books obviously too. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and kind of like you know the yeah, the idea of, um, you know they're kind of it's not it's not off to see the wizard, but they're they're going to this place for something. This magical thing is going to give them something. Supposedly was the you know was the journey. Their heart's desire. I should have had so. you <laughs> summarize it because that's so much better than what I said. <laughs> it's Wizard of Oz, but fucked up. <laughs> it's Russian realism, yeah. Wizard of Oz, Oz but Eastern European. Yeah, okay. Is, um, Tarkovsky Russian? Or? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, but I was under the impression this was a Ukrainian film for a long time. Mm, no. And I, I it's know. filmed in Ukraine and Estonia, but sure. Russian directed, yeah. written. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. Yeah, sorry no, it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I, you know, that part of it kind of helped helped me get through some of the some of the slower points. Mm. Um, I kind of. There was one shot, and maybe, you know, Joel, since you've seen this more. Uh, well, before I want to preface that with, uh, with um, I thought it was interesting, and I, I know the reason for it, like how the sound was so much part of another world. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the fact they, they were like, I'm sure they were at these locations and probably couldn't fit a sound crew. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it was all like dubbed in later and like done on a sound stage. You know, like a lot of the walking in water, it was like... Um, you know, Detached. you could tell. It, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, look, that's his foot stepping there. It's like someone going bloop with the, this little tub of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of wondering, like, how much of that was like also kind of intentional that it kind of gives you this kind of dreamy. Yeah, detached is a good word for mm-hmm. it. But also, I feel like there was one scene where it kind of made it disorienting because it shows that part where they stop, where the guy's bag is, and they're stopping there and they're just kind of hanging out and they're like, oh yeah, blah blah blah. We're going to go over here. And then they kind of walk through this area and come out that same door. Yep. And you could, I recognized the tiles and saw his bag sitting there. And they walk to the right and there are these huge waterfalls. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what the, what the <laughs> fuck? And the like, sound doesn't you know, appear right, until, yeah. so, until the waterfalls So the ability frame. to just have, you're filming this thing and there's this giant waterfall, but we just get to ignore that because we're not recording mm. any of the sound that you're doing here. We're going to dub it in later. Yeah. And there's little, you know, oh, their foot falls on the grass and some drops and, this, and all this, you know, and it's like, okay. And then we see that scene again. It's like, wait, wait, is, is you know, and I was like, okay, like that, that I thought was really cool. And I wonder how much of it was like, you know, like I said, out of necessity that you couldn't probably get the sound equipment in there. But then by making that consistent throughout the film that the sound kind of never matched what you were looking at exist yeah, until like, it exists yeah <laughs> but but you don't notice that in that scene in particular like if if every other scene had been you know the sound was recorded there right. organically and it was just that was the sound that scene probably would have stood out a lot more but by that point you were used to hearing sounds that weren't actually recorded at the same time as the visuals so you're mm-hmm. kind of just like yeah whatever you accept it and then when it kind of pops in you're just like what the fuck is going on and then i love that how i kind of looped back around where there he was oh yeah i was waiting for my thing and i was like so i think that was one of my favorite scenes both in how we really got to see like what the fuck he's been talking about all along mm-hmm. oh there are traps and everything is weird and blah blah and like you know i, I think there was a point too where i was like is, is is he just making this shit up like is there is there nothing supernatural about mm-hmm. this place and like and it was getting kind of like frustrating for that reason you know i was like i was waiting to get not necessarily like lost level oh look there's a smoke monster and all you know but like 
something weird to happen. And that was kind of the first thing where I was like, okay, yes, this is, and it was so kind of subtle and so well done. And so, you know, again, organically done, there were no, no effects that happened other than the sound, you know? And, um, so yeah, that, that part I think was my favorite, that like loop that they go through and they kind of, oh yeah, I went back to get my thing. Well, wait, no, we went forward through this thing and we lost you. It's like, oh, here we are. Um, and then, um, what was one of the other things I was thinking? Oh, I think um, I like the use of. I feel like there was a lot of tile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, this kind of only only occurred to me. It almost gave that like it gave this sense of almost like like a temple. I kind of started thinking like it almost reminded me like you know playing like a video game where you're in this ancient temple that's kind of been weathered and you know the rain and everything has gotten in. And this this you know as opposed to like if it was just like a stone structure that had kind of been weathered. Like, the fact that there was tile, it seems so much more, I guess, modern and deliberate, mm-hmm. um, which, I guess, made it seem maybe more futuristic, I guess. You know, the fact that it wasn't... This isn't like an ancient castle, meaning ancient to us, that is in disrepair. This is a modern building that is in disrepair because we're that much farther in the future. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of a nice, like, subtle way of, like, yeah, this isn't this place that you know, in our time is ancient, like, in you know, it's probably from our time and has become ancient. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. I thought that was cool. And I was kind of wondering, okay, is there more to the tile aspect of it that I'm not picking up on? And I was like, I'll have to ask Joel about that. <laughs> but and it was interesting too. I think the, one of the things that I kind of took from that whole, like with the, the soliloquy and the idea of like with porcupine like going in the room but then killing himself and all this and um it's i think it's you know i'm guessing if one of the main points is the idea of you know you're not supposed to get your 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 life's desire you know because then it's it's done like what else do you do like once you have the thing you want it's kind of like i guess i'm done you know and mm-hmm. um there's a book I'm I, finished. yeah <laughs> well, you know, it's like beating a video game you know you don't keep playing the video game once you've beaten it you put right. it away and you move on to something else you know and uh it reminded me of a, a book i read years ago by daniel quinn and i think there was a second author uh the newcomer's guide to the afterlife Ooh. and it's meant to be almost kind of like in beetlejuice yeah. where they have that it's kind of like that and it's almost like oh look we got this book from the afterlife that we pulled in and it's basically like a guidebook and that's how it reads where it's like oh okay you've recently died and this is what this is and it talks about how you know in the afterlife you know it's basically in this version it's basically like this world except you can't die because you're already dead mm-hmm. so nobody yeah. has to eat so nobody has a job nobody you know cooks. nobody <laughs> has to protect themselves from the elements nobody has to own things because you know you can kind of have stuff if you want but after a while you're just kind of like well I don't need this anymore and you know and there there are houses that are built sometimes that people are used to living in because that's how they're used to kind of living but then they realize well I could just go like walk around and live out in the street and in the wilderness you know I don't have to be in a house for for protection I don't have to have a house to hold all my stuff um and one of the jarring parts of that book when it got to talking about like artists and musicians it's like yeah they don't make art or do music anymore and i was just like what the fuck and i'm like you know that, that was what i was kind of picturing my version of heaven is i don't have to do anything except write music mm-hmm. and and they don't explain it mm-hmm. and like i remember just struggling that with a, for a really long time and kind of what i came up with in my own head is the the idea of like i think artists and musicians and and artistic people and, and, and writers and anyone doing anything creative it's like you're you're 
you're trying to reach a form of heaven on earth kind of you know it's like that's that's why we do it because we realize just kind of how how bland and shitty the world is and it's like i, I need to, to make something better i need to kind of reach for something beyond this and once you get to that beyond it's like oh well if there's nothing to reach to why do i why do i need to make music and things mm-hmm. like that um so that kind of like connected with me on that level is like is that why like you know if you go into the room you know because i don't i don't know did we hear about other people who had gone into the room and gotten what they wanted and what happened to them besides porcupine you know because no, like, uh stalker talks about never really interacting with them after they've left yeah mm-hmm. um porcupine's only like the only story that he's heard about was porcupine specifically and he was saying that there's like a delayed effect sometimes so yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen immediately right yeah, yeah. So, so that was kind of a thing for for me. I was like, okay, I wonder if that's kind of the yeah the idea is that you know if you go into this, you kind of you 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 might get what you want. It may not be a trick, but that's sort of the you know like whenever they have <laughs> like on Rick and Morty with you know when the the devil opens the needful thing shop, you know, and it's like you'll get this, but it'll give you this. Oh, and it's like there's always yeah. this twist that fucks you over somehow, right. you know. And it's like, but it's like yeah, that's just it. Is like if you get everything your heart's desired, like you're done. There's, there's nothing beyond that. What do you do for the, so it's like, Oh, I might as well kill myself, you know? And you know, that was sort of what I was thinking about why porcupine killed himself after that. You know, gotcha. I see. And I, I more read it like what stalker says about it or what, uh, I guess writer is the one who says it about, he went in there wanting, wanting what his what most primal desire was to have his brother back. Mm-hmm. And he ended up discovering that he, was shallow and just wanted money like at his core mm-hmm. so that's that was the having to with sit himself. with that is that my mm-hmm. fundamental desire in this life is wealth mm-hmm. <laughs> and I lost my brother on the way to this and it, it just that the fear of knowing what your most primal desire is mm-hmm. is such an interesting <laughs> and surprising twist on this idea like I that that yeah, that's something that's emphasized from the get go, where you may not want to know what it is. And at the end, the writer decides he doesn't want to know, right. or out of cowardice or wisdom, <laughs> or, yeah. it's up to us to decide. Exactly. Um, but uh, Scott, what were your in- initial impressions? I, Tim I, had a really good segue into no, like uh, uh, <laughs> favorite was, scenes, yeah. <laughs> but like <laughs> I just wanted everybody to have a chance. No, to... I liked it a lot. I, it was it was a journey uh, for certain, and I found my gaze drifting away from the screen occasionally because it had drawn me into my own imagined journey. Yeah, and then I would be drawn back when something would happen or someone mm. would speak. And, I, not unlike how it looked on the screen to see them, that when they were all walking, they were all basically alone, despite the other person being five meters off. Mm-hmm. And that only when they stopped or spoke would they all sort of come back together again. It's also interesting, like when you see them together, they're never fit, they're not meeting each other's eye line. They're always looking elsewhere. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's so such all an on interesting their own journey. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's. I think the one time you, you get any kind of unity at all is in the meat grinder between the professor yeah. and the stalker. Yeah. And the, you know, well, the, the tube leading up to that, too, because they're watching. Holds, yeah, stalker that's what is I mean. so terrified. Is that the tube, I mean? Yeah. Like, because yeah. that's where Porcupine's brother died. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're meant to assume, I think. 
mm-hmm. but that's three times having <laughs> watched it, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But so yeah, I, I liked it. Okay. Favorite scene then? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe the the train at the entrance into the zone, mm-hmm. because just the the color changes. There's that that visual shift, but the sound is just all over the place bizarre and weird yeah. and strange alien noises that come from nowhere and nothing yeah. that syncs up and and that just so perfectly communicates what they're getting into and then once you hit the zone it's this serenity this eerie silence mm-hmm. but I think my actual I don't not even a whole scene but just the end of the three of them in front of the room when they all finally just came together yeah. and sat down that moment was cathartic that that was the one yeah and i love that room because we spent so much time in it mm-hmm. outside low room in a room and it didn't i swear sometimes it changed every so often like it like looked, someone would yep. walk and the camera would move 90 degrees and the door that used to be there wasn't there you kept discovering but then he'd come back yep. and the door would be back yep. because like the reality was that it's most fluid in the, the center of the zone. What I love about that scene in particular is the fact that the only person that gets to go into the room is the camera. Us. That last yeah. shot is inside the room. Yep. And just that long, drawn-out sequence where Professor is taking apart the bomb the and deciding whether to throw it, where to throw it, and then the rain comes in. Yeah. And this idea of inside versus outside, just the idea of structure and facade of like enclosed space is totally destroyed by that scene because yeah. you're, the, I mean, you do hear birds chirping and it's kind of atmospheric. It seems outside, but as it pans out and you get into the room, it's like the clouds rolled in over top, but it looks like it's enclosed space. Mm-hmm. And then the water comes through. And it just lingers on it so long that like it, it's it that rain moves away. And there's a couple of the professor picks up a couple things to throw into the room, yep. like pebbles or something. Mm-hmm. The second thing he throws, they splash across yep. the water. But the first thing, it vanished. Yep. It just it, there's vanished. no sound for that. It one. didn't land. Yep. There's no visual because the room that we're in, mm-hmm. quote unquote, or or you might look into and see this empty space. I don't. I thought the implication was that that's not the room. And when you step through, you're not in the space you were looking at. And the rock, he threw one of them, went into the room. Yeah. You know, that was great. The rock got its wish, which yeah. was to not be, not to splash. <laughs> Please don't let me drown, I'm just a rock. <laughs> Zeke, what would you say is your favorite scene? Um, I think there were a lot of really cool shots and sets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just beautifully done. I think one that comes to mind is... Uh, I think I don't remember when it, when the room or when this area happens, but it's the area that's kind of a, like dozens of sand hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I believe mm-hmm. it's the professor that's kind of just winding his way through it, through them back to the rest of the group. Yeah, yeah, that was just a beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, scene though, I think I'm always a sucker for a good speech or a good monologue. Mm-hmm. So the writer, I just have to go with the writer's speech and just gotcha. yeah, just I don't know. I'm always a sucker. TV shows, movies, <laughs> when someone just talks at me for a little bit i'm always a sucker especially if it's deep and powerful and mm-hmm. um so that one gets my vote awesome okay i i had to write some notes on mine because it's so real quick i think i decided yeah. who is who 
Um, I think the stalker <laughs> is the lion who now has courage. The the professor is the scarecrow who now has a brain, and the writer is the tin man who now has a heart. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I did. I like, I like that it. a lot. Which, I don't know how much it's modeled, but I don't I mean, even like, think that's a stretch either. Like, all, I think no. that you yeah. get an arc of the writer's character of this like tin exterior because he's very he's shallow, very shallow. He and care. bullshitting with the girl, yeah. and he uses the same. Uh, Maybe that was Dorothy. Yeah. She's like not even here. This isn't your story. This is our story. <laughs> um. So my favorite scene. Is oh god, there was a dog. That was Toto. Oh shit! What the fuck? <laughs> I hate how accurate this analogy. Is. Does that mean the daughter is Dorothy then? Because like, she ends up with the dog. Oh maybe. Yeah. Mm. That hurts my soul. And she'll be so. returning to the zone on her own later <laughs> with the three men she doesn't recognize that she's known all her life. Oh shit. Well. Now I feel silly for going into <laughs> The best thing about if this you... film is it wasn't inspired by any other film. It's completely... <laughs> if you play this film backwards while playing Pink Floyd's The Wall... Oh, man. That's what we got to do next. <laughs> You'd have to listen to The Wall quite a few times. This is a no. long movie. Um, no. So when the car is kind of following the Transformer train car... Yeah. And traveling up the rails and it's skewed and the car is almost perpendicular to the direction that it's moving there's that three or four seconds where it's the wheels are pointing that way but the car is not moving it's caught against the rail so it 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 just i remember seeing that the first time i was like this is very different world visually that i'm in this is a shot i've never seen anything like before and how do you script that how do you and it's it's uh, the stalker driving that's not a stunt driver like that's no. him right. so is that a mistake is that a fluke and it's just this great captured moment and it just it gave the impression like the car doesn't even want them to go into the zone yeah. like it's it's resisting this this trajectory so I really like that sequence but there's also that shot once they're in the zone and then there's that burned out military vehicle and yeah. as there, he, he says, Professor goes first, Ryder goes second, and then Stalker will follow. That's This is right, yeah. right when they're starting. So you follow from a POV shot to this burned out car, and you hear footsteps, and it's rustling. So you're, you're in your head, you're like, this is somebody that we've seen who is walking towards and taking this detour straight through the car's because that's where like the burned out machine gun is and the mm-hmm. corpse is still holding it. And then you see Stalker steps well, forward. Yeah. So the order's changed. What's happened? And then you see Professor. And then, okay, you must be Ryder. And then you've moved to this point where like the whole frame is just that the edge of that car. Mm-hmm. You're like and looking out Everything the is obscured. <clears throat> and then Ryder shows up. And you get Professor looks back through that cavity, and then Ryder looks back and almost seems to stop like he recognizes somebody there. So it, it, it's it's like you're there, but it's such a... I have a little bit more... This movie does such a an interesting switch, and I might just go to that, like, it's, it's point of view in it. So no other film is, uses the film technique in such a way that it draws attention to the fact that it's a film technique, 
But instead of breaking the fourth wall and making you uh, the suspension of disbelief fall apart, it's almost inviting you in through the fourth wall. It, you're you're not so much observer as participant, mm-hmm. and that's that's that impression that you get on that rail car as they're going from gray into the zone, because you're you're sitting with them, you're very intimately mm-hmm. in their face, and you, it 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 has this effect that it it lingers rather than uh what was it lumbers lingers rather than lumbers mm-hmm. where you're you're in the space like it's real time like you're there like you have the time for your mind to wander as if you're in the sequence or falsely or falsely <laughs> but that yeah. that's that just that sequence is such a it's so jarring to me cuz it's 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 surprising it's it's scary like this is a very weird world that we've entered and it it's giving you all of the cues that okay this is somebody's point of view we've only seen three characters what is this world and you step through and then you're surprised that you're now a part of it. Mm-hmm. I maybe I'm just projecting onto that, but like that's that those sequences are some like things that really like just got under my skin about it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean and I agree with that too, because I think that's part of why I dozed off at that point. Cause like whenever I'm in a car and I'm not driving, mm-hmm. like within five minutes I'm asleep. <laughs> you know, and, and but and that was I remember kind of like vaguely thinking that yeah like it's like if you're just showing this as like like the observer okay they're on this this car and then we're going to cut to the next scene when they're there but it didn't do that like mm-hmm. yeah you you took the journey with them and mm-hmm. it's like yeah it's not you know we're not just showing you the highlights you're like you're right. going on the journey so if it takes however long you're going to be there for however long you know mm-hmm. yeah so i guess i had a question about like point yeah. of view it's like, how would you characterize the lens of the film? Like, where is the observer of the story, and how does that compel with other films that appeal or don't appeal to you? I I tried to come prepared with this one because it's <laughs> even with notes, I I just gabbled a whole bunch of my thoughts about it because it, it's so complex and it hits me so hard that I wanted to try it. Like so, like the point of view of this is so unique to me, and I don't know if it's just because I haven't seen anything like it. Or if it is actually unique, I, I don't know. It, it's it's just a strange brain worm thing for me. One word that comes to my mind, and I I was thinking of like you know the scene I liked, but I feel like this happens a lot, and it's a weird word for a lot of it because they're even when they're out in the open, like it feels claustrophobic. Yeah, like I feel like the proximity. Yeah, it's not like oh look they're in this open field. Like right. I always feel like. The, the edge of the camera like it's like what what what's right beyond there mm-hmm. like i want to see like i feel like you know because they're always they'll be standing here and they're like looking over there but you don't get to ever see what they're looking at and i'm just like yeah. I, and, and it makes you feel like very boxed in it makes you feel like you know like all this stuff could have been happening but yeah we're not a part of it and it's like and it and it's out there it's mm-hmm. happening out there somewhere i mean you know it, i think that went away a little bit more when they were inside because there were limitations but um or like when they were going that kind of down down that long curvy hall it was like a similar thing in there right. especially in you know this idea of like oh it's just looping like i kept expecting him to sort of run into the back of the other two right as he yeah. was like it was just gonna like be that a big loop. loop yeah. yeah um but yeah i feel like it's it, yeah i think for me claustrophobic is the word like i always feel like there's something i'm missing there's something you're purposely not showing mm-hmm. me i 
I liked that it, like you said, it doesn't cut away from the people, no matter mm-hmm. what they're looking at, because it's not about the zone, but about right. the people, mm-hmm. and it's not about what's happening to them, but about what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So whatever they might see, if I see something weird over there, or is irrelevant. What matters is how they react, is mm-hmm. what changes in them. So it never shows us any of that, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The film doesn't care. <laughs> I think on the flip side, there are a lot of shots that are the opposite of claustrophobic, where you're just watching someone walk in the distance for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, back to that, you're along, or you're you're viewing their journey, or you're along for like either way, whether you're a tight shot or a point of view shot, where you're on the journey, or you're like witnessing their whole journey. I think it plays with both of those mm-hmm. um, to get you involved in in different ways. Um, but I'm having a hard time thinking of many other movies that use the, the types of shots that this one does mm-hmm. or that um, the, the POV that this one does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost felt most similar to video games, actually. Right. To yeah, certain, third person over the shoulder. Well, to I was going to say to first person video games that tell a story and poorly integrate you. Mm-hmm. Because when you're playing the level, you're acting, you're playing, you're whatever. But then when levels are done, you just stop and watch everyone else have a conversation for a while that advances the plot in which you are irrelevant and that sense of being present in the zone but of just having to watch all our conversations secondhand mm-hmm. was very similar that your agency ends when the other people become important mm-hmm. when the other people show up I guess <laughs> so it's almost like a Japanese RPG where you're there and you're yeah. silent you're that mute too, you have no yeah. memory and you're just yeah. watching NPCs lead you <laughs> like along we were there to be in the, the zone, zone and walk around and see things and experience but that we didn't have any bearing whatsoever on these other people in their lives mm-hmm. yeah it brought us physical presence from the location but no interactive presence with the characters hmm. does that make sense yeah, yeah. so I wanted to talk about camera movement in this because I mean I think that's a natural segue is that like the way a good score kind of disappears I feel like camera movement is usually something I'm not actively aware of when it's affected like obviously there's like you get the the whip pan in uh, Wes Anderson's film that's from like what is it the uh every Wes Anderson movie on his trailer where it's like oh, whip yeah. pan <laughs> and then like the telephoto uh, uh, pan zoom. up from uh, Michael Bay films like that the oh, bad boys thing yes, and shit just the got real swoop. so like there, there's those like directors have like signature <laughs> techniques that they like to use but for the most yeah. part I'm not like actively aware of that but like every shot in this film is so strange it felt erratic and unpredictable to me yeah, I think surprising is the word I would use. I don't know if mm-hmm. I think erratic to me thing seems unplanned, whereas I think everything is meticulously framed in this. Yeah. And I, it's just I've never been so aware of how a scene is becoming composed, because you get so many standing up into frame, and then so much pulling or like extending up, and then revealing in the background things that were obscured by the foreground. So it, just the whole visual language of the, the movie is so different. I, it just, it seemed like a different language. Um, and it, it's, it's like when, when they discover the rail car, right? So you have this huge warehouse, right? And Professor walks through it and gets to the rail car. 
and he, he waves awkwardly. It doesn't look like they could really see him wave because the stone wall's there. But you can't see the headlights of the, the uh, Jeep that they're in. And he starts slowly moving the rail car. And he's stepping over the gaps in the rail car very stepping deliberately. Stepping the ties, yeah. And then by the time you see the car pull around, he's only gotten halfway through the frame. So it obscures the, the Jeep for a second. And then just a second and then it moves past and it's like this in synchronous foreground background middle ground all working in conjunction and there's no real everything's in focus that's the other thing that's so weird like there's nothing that's blurred from distance so it, it kind of erases foreground and background mm-hmm. and it, it, it's not overwhelming but it's like you everything is happening and everything seems significant yeah so it, it just was so there were no visual cues about where to put your eyes next mm-hmm. in anything. Right. So you just had to react as it happened. Right. And especially, like, with once you get to the room, you have the corridor that they come through where the telephone is. And we'll talk about the telephone, <laughs> the telephone. in just a second. <laughs> oh, so you have gosh. the way you discover that shot is that way. And then you see the, the um, embraced lovers who've died with the dog is mm-hmm. part of that room. It's a corridor of that room. And then and it you goes have to like a door that's opening and closing, yeah, or something. Yeah, it, it's just like the way you discover the composition of a shot in this is is so surprising. Mm-hmm. So I, I just was like, did these are just dumb questions I've written down? Just like, did you also think that that was unique to this, or is it is that something that I'm not haven't seen in something else? Because I I just it just seems so surprising like I agree I, I agree it, it other things they give you that sort of piecemeal assembly of the the room you're in mm-hmm. but they give it to you in a way that just assembles much more neatly I guess like if you have a jigsaw puzzle they start with the corners and then the edges and then work their way in to I use like to make it's a clunky analogy like a, a comic book panel right like you don't see the whole room yeah you see the subject and what's going on and then it moves to like another seat but you imp- you guess at what or you fill in the space in between those lines yeah you know, exactly like, whereas this just seemed to like and this put is it in a blender assembling the puzzle at random I guess yeah, I, right I guess I, yeah you know you come back in four hours and you're, you can't tell what your what your friend is making on the <laughs> coffee table but then you come back later and it ah that's what I was looking at earlier <laughs> well it's like that meme where it's like here's the the puzzle of the horses and they've just put piles <laughs> of the different colors together that makes a shape of a horse yes, it's like yeah. <laughs> your move puzzle industry yeah. <laughs> yes exactly Zeke what were you going to uh, say yeah I don't know if I have an answer but I, I have a question Yeah, yeah and sure. um, I was just curious if you'd seen much of Tarkovsky's other work or, or you so, know, if he employs some of these shots in other stuff, right? Or? So I, I watched this first, mm-hmm. and then I watched Solaris, which is kind of more his answer to uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, which he did not like. Um, pretty vocal about, and he, mm. he's what I've heard of his directorial style is if somebody on set said, "Hey, this shot reminds me of this thing," he's like, "Fuck it, we're not doing it that way." Oh, gotcha. So he's kind of like actively rejecting visual language of other things, and you can almost see they've done shot for shot comparisons with Solaris and um I guess he said he said about 2001, everything's so fucking clean. 
let's make our spaceship look like a broken down bus. Mm. So you have very similar like sweeping shots, but the grime. So of it just reminds yeah. me of Alien. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's <laughs> no, I... yeah, that same year, right? Seventy yeah, nine. Um, so I, in, I didn't like Solaris as much, mm. but I don't think that it, it's also less. It's odd. The the spaceship in Solaris felt more familiar to me than yeah. the zone. I just felt like I understand this landscape better. I, because to of, your prior experience with sci-fi yeah, or to I, the way it yeah. was shot or I, I I guess it just the 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 shots didn't seem as dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was as disorienting. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it was just because I felt more f- comfortable in space than I did in the zone or if it was just I was looking was at your it. Second Tarkovsky movie. Well, I it, it was also like maybe I was just looking for more of the stalker type thing for, from Solaris. So mm-hmm. that that's that could possibly be. But, what are some um, of his other works? Um, Andrei Rublev, Nostalgia. The other big one is The Mirror. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And oh I, yeah. I haven't seen any that of one. Works, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it yeah it's. I would say that Solaris is, I mean, his tracking shots of nature and water are always gorgeous. That's a that shares a lot of DNA between Solaris and Stalker is how he lingers on uh, water and bodies of water, and I think that's something that definitely translates. And he just he the man can pan for ages. For days. Like, it's just like well. and. The, the first time I watched it, I was falling asleep because it was late, and it's like, you either have to be in it or don't even try to watch it because it's yeah. it's going to make you fall asleep. This time, because I was so jacked up excited to watch it with you guys, <laughs> I'm like on the edge of my seat taking in every frame, but it, it's definitely like those shots can be fatiguing for sure, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Did. yeah it gives me an idea of, of, of his stuff and, you know, what we saw here, what we might see from him elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there... You asked us and we kind of didn't answer you, but <laughs> uh, so I'll ask you, is there anything else you've seen that this brought to mind or that now brings to mind this, I guess? I don't know. I feel like the thought I was having today is like this gives me like I, I don't want to say it like that, but it, it, maybe I should say it because that's what I'm thinking. That, like, the the jacked up, excited, like, this is what movies can do reaction I had to, like, Fight Club. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is, like, the academic version of that in my head. <laughs> it's like, this is what film nerds would cream their jeans over, whereas mm-hmm. the rest of us who are like, this is a movie that does, like, with Fight Club, it's like, this is actually some heavy-duty cinema and some interesting storytelling but it's more palatable, I guess, in quotation yeah, yeah, marks. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's not wrapped in subtitles and three and a half hours long and all of these things where it's like... Absolutely. I get, I, what I, I get, I'm not talking down to Fight Club because I fucking love Fight Club, but like this is... It felt like adult Fight Club, I guess, in it's, quotation Fight Club marks. is a, an art movie disguised as a popular movie, and this yeah. is just an art movie, not trying to be anything else. Yeah, and that's like again. I'm not trying to diss Fight Club because I love Fight no, Club. No, no, no. I think it's a really well done film, 
I guess it just gave me the same feeling I did seeing Fight Club. So, oh shit! This is how you can make a movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that that I, I keep looking at you, Tim, because I know you had that experience with that film club where you were like, "My favorite movies are Matrix and Fight Club," and they're like, "Fuck off! What are you talking about?" Yeah. Like, that's I'm not trying to be elitist about it at all, but like that's I get like in the way Memento broke my brain, right. like this this broke my brain in the same way. Yeah. Like, but I don't know that it, it's shot. I don't know that I've seen anything that has done as interesting things with the camera for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, there's very little. Maybe I guess Herzog, but it's it's less obvious. Herzog can really linger and do beautiful things with his shots, mm-hmm. but it's not. A surprising film language it's just the best version of this pan or the best version of this tracking shot sure. like whereas this like Tarkovsky seemed to like take the playbook and just turn it upside, turn it upside down, down for me the thing this put me in mind of is that is sort of a tamer version of this is actually Lahane yeah just that there's Lahane is a lot of just three dudes talking mm-hmm. and sometimes there's panning so much to dialogue them in this or movie. panning while following them yeah. or whatever and that it, it also has an animal for no reason like the cow <laughs> in Lahane <laughs> the cow oh yeah. yeah I forgot about the cow <laughs> I always rediscover the cow every time you watch that it makes me happy again but um mm-hmm. and then you touched on a you reminded me sort of of um this is what a movie can be I guess mm-hmm. a, a less intense version of that was Super 8 Okay. In terms of, I, I mean, you know, Super 8 was Abrams doing Spielberg, a lot of people mm-hmm. said, and, and and sort of paying tribute. And, you know, Spielberg has all the E.T. and the old, you know, suitable for the family. He said ye old, which would the, be a great way to describe so, Spielberg. Of, well, yeah, he has the standards, the like suitable for no, the that, family not, not adventure, all encompassing, all, you know, the standard. And, mm-hmm. and I was at a point where they had sort of become just sort of oh I know what to expect more of them put them on when I'm at home like sort of comfort foodie Super 8 was the thing that made me go oh like this is what that can be when it's like more mm-hmm. <laughs> like and you're talking to... about the stakes being raised in that and it gets it gets dark quick sorry not to cut I, you I off I kind of but, like... but just the I don't know the enjoyment I got from it I guess that not to to diss Spielberg's work at all but that I had seen so much of it in such rapid succession mm-hmm. that it was, I, like, okay, because I love my love my clunky analogies, right? Boy, dude, If that's the pizza you get every couple uh-huh. weeks, you know, it was cake with the Rocky episode. Now it's pizza. right. <laughs> if that's the pizza you get every couple weeks, is Spielberg and it's delicious and you get it all the time and you've got loyalty points. Abrams was like, you're visiting some relative and they get pizza from some local joint and you're like, oh yeah, sure, but, oh, oh. I forgot you can do cool things with pizza. Like, holy crap. Like, that was, like, a lesson, like, so not not for all of cinema, but for that particular I, type I of love, film. I think this is my favorite wacky analogy. <laughs> like, You're welcome. <laughs> no, sometimes you. I'm like, where's yeah. he going with this? But that one was like, I am right there yeah. with you. <laughs> and that, you know, so not for all of cinema, but for that particular style of movie, yeah. Super 8 did that for me. Yeah. And, gotcha. and I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you say uh, that it just sort of refresh your perspective I guess mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm driving a lot of this I should but it's you your pick you shouldn't be driving well, That's I, fine. I don't want to like just drag you through the mud too 
to my points, but like, so if you want to interrupt me, interrupt me. Well, and and I'm I'm probably gonna get burned at the stake or crucified for saying this, but it almost I almost wish someone who was a huge fan of this did like an American remake mm-hmm. that was slightly. <laughs> not, I'm not saying like like summer blockbuster like add a bunch of explosions, mm-hmm. but like I feel like we've seen. Um, uh, what's the is it Annihilation that yeah. that sci-fi one like it reminded me a little bit of that that's yeah yeah it's taking um, but, a lot from but that. again that was obviously way more sci-fi and way yeah. more like more effects, horror you know? too yeah. yeah yeah I agree with oh, you God, yeah. I agree with you because I it's something that, that screaming bear thing oh yeah is so twisted I'm sorry well, just, if I'm, yeah <laughs> well the, yeah the, yeah, yeah we not yeah but that the whole the whole ending this, scene yes. she, oh, oh holy shit I, I love like, Annihilation so much yeah and I, I saw Annihilation before oh I saw you haven't seen it oh shit. I haven't either <laughs> yeah but you anyway I don't think so I, I, <laughs> I just definitely had seen it I saw that before I saw Stalker okay and I I feel like Stalker I was like oh there it's a similar type thing yeah um, yeah so I'm not saying it should go that right. route, but like, you know, I, I feel like that's just a, even with 2001, like, I just feel like a lot of films probably back then were longer and slower just because people had more of an attention span and people This was were... like actively done to piss off audiences though. Like, ah. oh, really? <laughs> he had sent it to the editor and he's like, this is too long. You're going to piss, like the audience is like, good, leave. I'll make it longer. It's exactly <laughs> what he said. <laughs> He's like, we don't want that audience. So it mm-hmm. is a very elitist thing for him to do. Yeah. This is also like the product of 10 years of filmmaking where he mm-hmm. shot it all on this expired film that just had reacted wrong. So they lost the whole first cut of it. Oh, had to wait five years, did rewrites and have to go back out. And most of the crew and the actors got like cancer from the... Uh, uh, processing plants that they shot all of oh this at. Oh my god. Like, this is the film that killed Tarkovsky, essentially. Like, he got his debilitating disease from shooting this. Wow. God. That one sequence where it's that rolling like, it looks like grass, but it looks like it's waves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's like waste pulp from a paper plant. Under the ground. Underground. It's not underground. That was on the lake. Oh. Outside. And that motion, that, oh. that looked like a bad effect. No, that was like the mulch and nasty. And apparently that sh- on set that day, like the fumes were so bad, people were like passing out. Oh, God. So it, it like, so <laughs> he's like, we're doing it my way. <laughs> Which I could kind of understand the chip on his shoulder about it. But it, it was also like, fuck the audience. Yeah. They're going to sit and watch this. Casual reminder that those sorts of laws that protect people from that weren't even implemented in the U.S. until like the 80s, maybe? Until, basically until Twilight Zone, yep. I guess, more, more or less. <laughs> Just, you know. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, I... I this is such an interesting story, and I, I I like the ideas so much. I would be totally, and that's the thing they did an American version of Solaris with uh, George oh, so Clooney. Oh, so it is big. Okay, because I knew that that was a movie, yeah. but I wouldn't be that guy. Oh, is that the what George Clooney? Like, no, idiot. That's What's a that completely called? shitty. Solaris. You know. Oh, it's just called. Yeah, oh, they yeah. just did a remake, and apparently it's quite good. People like it a lot oh, okay. too. So, like, it, I think there's definitely room for it. Yeah, and in this age where we're adapting old stories and doing Aladdin again and mm-hmm. <laughs> Lion King again. Like, yeah, well, this is just mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz, so... <laughs> I, and to build off of that, I, I, so the, well, the Wizard of Oz and the other part, um, <laughs> there were like a few versions of this that I was thinking 
probably because I was sleepy that I would have <laughs> liked to have seen. I was like, oh, it'd be nice if this was like a modern, you know, like if there was a modern remake of it. I already said I want the sequel with the mutant girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see the story told like in the format of like a thirty minute, twenty to thirty minute Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, and yeah. then I'd like to see it told in like an hour, hour and a half, like Black Mirror episode. Like, oh, I think yeah. all yeah. of those would be fun takes on this story. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you there. Yeah, it's just a cool story, and I mean, I, I'd be interested to see what the original yeah. book is like that it took from, and um, yeah, I'd love to see it told like, again. It's like somebody needs to have a film festival where the purpose of it. I've seen this with other things like contests where it's like, oh, here's some lyrics. Write your version of a song right. with these lyrics, and Adapt everybody this, does. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, do your version of a film of this. Yeah. You know, like, I'd like it, and I'd really like if it was like I want. I want the American Stalker to be filmed in, I guess, like in the Rust Belt somewhere. I like want a, it to yeah, be like a fundamentally American, that would I guess, be cool. instead of yeah. just, oh, we remade the same thing, but now you can actually like listen to them in English. Like, sure. That would be a very because interesting, like... In films like that that get remade in English, like Funny Games or what yeah. have you, that, that's great. Like, it brings it to an audience. It's much more accessible. Right. It's easier. But I, as someone who can watch something with subtitles and not struggle, right. it's not for me, I guess. Right. I would really like to see it because I love Michael Pitt, like... I still haven't seen the Funny Games American shot for shot remake, but anyway, like I'd love sorry. to see just like if they were to make Lahane, you couldn't just remake Lahane in English. It would be pointless. You'd need to make it in an American city. The right. characters would need to be different people, and the issues would be different right. because it's the fundamentally political, tied yeah, to the social. Yeah, you're right. Right. Ditto for Stalker. It was, yeah. It's tied to the sense of place and culture and so is, much that remember you need this to is pre Chernobyl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so this is this is like <laughs> in the shadow of Gulag, and like it, it's a very almost prophetic film people have talked about it being like almost predicting this forbidden zone where mutations come out like it's 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 a very interesting um pre meltdown story in mm-hmm. the same area like it's just very strange to 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 have so such similar reactions to it like it's just reaction pun um but zeke i think you would really like annihilation i think mm-hmm. like i i almost think like that's the american version of this like yeah, in, in my okay. head okay. um but what i was gonna, more military and <laughs> yeah well I, I something about this one and something i i don't know if you found it as effective but like i really like the scarcity of this film that was something that like in the zone the only thing that's creating the cycle or the 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 supernatural narrative is how the characters are reacting to the environment. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the frame that tells you shit's yeah. going wrong, really. Right. And I, I mean, I love the nut, little bolts, bandage throwing thing. I thought it was just yeah. such an interest. Like, it's testing the ground, and it it kind of gets funny too, because when he does it in the pipe, he just throws a rock and he hides behind it. Like, <laughs> there's like this subtlety to it. It's like, okay, I can find this and see where it goes, but in there, mm-hmm. it's like I know this pipe only goes one direction, so like. I so like the only impression that you get that shit might hit the fan is how scared the characters are. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that landed for you guys or if it just seemed silly. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. When the the writer walks ahead for a while, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm just gonna go straight there and then get stuck. Yes. That was like jaw clenching that. that whole sequence. He gets slower and slower and then he hears a voice not from behind him, from in front of him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the professor thinks it's Stalker, and Stalker thinks it's Professor. Yeah, I like that scene too. That was another favorite. Yeah, Yeah. 
That was brilliant. <clears throat> I also like when he's at, on the edge of the well and he drops the rock. Like I feel like yeah. that's another thing again that they're able to do because of adding the sound yeah. later. And it just like it just forever goes on. And then you and finally pull. hear this crash, you know, and it's like that thing was probably a foot deep, you yeah. know. But the fact that like you don't hear it actually hit mm-hmm. the ground and this then it falls forever, forever, you know, you yeah. hear this sound that's probably added later. Yeah, they just fall and fall. It, <laughs> Yeah, I, I liked. That was the second I, Lord of the Rings like moment because yeah. you said the drums, oh yeah the drums drums, drums, drums in the, the deep, deep yeah. <laughs> I really liked that the sound felt like it was constantly done later. Yeah, so so I was watching a panel discussion where they were watching the film and pausing it and having experts talk about it, and it was ungodly long. Um, but the panelists, one of them was the sound engineer on Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. so he was saying like all of the dialogue looks like the mic is the same distance from everyone. Mm. So there's no depth right. to the field of, or field of sound. Yeah. So it, it all feels very added in, at, like deliberately so. It's like, yeah. it was like Tarkovsky's like, you're this far from the mic. Yeah. Always. Right. So that that's, yeah. It's, it's so interesting that the reveal of the waterfall, because I didn't really notice it that, yeah before this time I don't know why but it's like it do, it's not in frame so it doesn't exist mm-hmm. and then it comes into to being almost as the camera pans over it it's yeah. just it treats the camera with such creative license I don't know it, it's really cool I just love the soliloquy so much yeah <laughs> that was great they even devour the filth in your soul they're all literate they have voracious appetites what kind of writer am I if I detest writing like I watched that way too early in my life because it's like how do you go on from that and he doesn't even like find any hope right he leaves just as jaded as he was when he came in it it just I liked that though that the I mean for him in particular but partly for the stalker I guess too was that they sort of refused to touch on what you said about once you get the thing you want, what's the point of life continuing? They they that refused. Dumb, yeah. They refused to get their happiness because without suffering, there can be happiness has no meaning, has no weight. Sort mm-hmm. of like a it's all relative sort of thing. Um, which yeah, like the, the wife, the wife was talking about at the end about that you know what a shot that we was. don't have our lows, we don't appreciate the highs. Mm-hmm. And they sort of, I felt like the writer in particular was that was part of the decision he came to, standing in front of the room of, if this is going to give me some kind of happiness, even if it gives me what I want, it won't be worth it. Mm-hmm. And that crazy. ties really well into his soliloquy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that that last talk with the wife is almost like a talking it's head. Us. It's the office. Yeah. Like she's directly addressing us because yeah. he's gone to he's sleep. Asleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, she's talking to us. And this like to criticize the movie mm-hmm. which I will do very rarely mm-hmm. like this has six endings. It yeah. doesn't need yeah. them. Yeah. I really That's, don't think it does. Mm-hmm. It I think if when you, we're in the room. Yeah. It ends when they're in the bar. Yep. Yeah. It ends yeah. when she comes and gets him and they leave. When he's walking with her 
out on, the door. Yeah, yeah it, it ends when they're walking by the water. Yeah, it ends when she puts them to bed yeah. and talks to us. So and it's then, a third Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a tricky thing about some of the long shots is that like I'm like, wow, what a poignant, beautiful, good ending, and it's gonna linger on it. And wow, what a nice way to wrap things up. And, and then, then it would just kept going. going. Another, and yeah. the very, very end. It started to fade to black, but not all the way. Mm. And I was like, it's going to fade into another scene. And then it faded to the credits, so I was saved. But it almost did it again. See, like, the moment I I remember as the ending is the fake-out where it looks like she's walking in the zone. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you discover she's on his shoulders. Yeah. And it's weird, because that's not in the zone. It's in color, but it's because we're seeing oh. it from her perspective. So I mean, she's taking yeah. the color of the zone with, with her. her. Right. Oh, okay. Like her yeah. presence is enough to... <clears throat> and I think it's implied, like, I, I don't know if it's implied, but I think we're meant to assume Stalker, before he became a Stalker, went in the room and he asked for a daughter. That, that thought just occurred to me. Yeah. about that. Yeah. But there's also, like, the, what the <clears throat> wife says about, like, stalkers, stalkers have mutant yeah. children regardless. But yeah. I, I, yeah. I... I really love his speech about being a louse, but a louse who can help, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want anything out of it other than his his drug to is going. Their lives. When he comes to the zone, he's like home. Yeah. We're home. Yeah, and he just lays in the grass like this is the most alive mm-hmm. he's felt, the most useful he's I felt. Love the little inchworm on his face. Yes, <laughs> it's so cute. It's so good. I love that. It, it just it's so and. Between that and the soliloquy, the acting in this is really poignant, really powerful. Even with the audio recorded later, it's just like the emotion of those performances is totally there. Like it, it loses nothing for being subtitled. I don't. Oh, I, not at all. No. And you just get this desperate feeling that, like, I don't know. I'm a bad example. I shouldn't. I shouldn't rule it on that. I've watched so many things with subtitles. I, I really shouldn't make that judgment. <laughs> Just like you get the sense that Stalker is, this is his whole existence. This is the only thing he's good at. It's the only thing he, he's, he's kind of a zealot, right? He's this evangelist. That's why he's so upset about the bomb, about if you're going to take this from me. I've got nothing. I've got nothing, yeah. Nothing to he's like, on. I've sacrificed everything. I've given up my family. I've given up my friends. I've gone to jail for this. And I'm right back in it because this is the, this is the drug that I do, but it's also the only fulfillment I'm getting in my life. And I he genuinely believes it's helping people like it's just so poignant mm-hmm. we didn't talk about the phone you said you wanted to talk about the phone earlier <laughs> that is the funniest fucking thing it's so great <laughs> there's this phone because it, it rings and your reaction is what the I hell? haven't heard an, a, a sound that is like artificially Man-made, made right like f- for an hour two hours at this point and it's ringing and it, just how matter of fact the characters is that for you no like they've it's, sort of forgotten just where have, they are yeah they, they're just in this room the phone is ringing they're he, having they're so caught up in their argument that they forget where they are and he picks it up respond no this isn't the clinic no, hangs it up goes back to what he stalkers, was saying stalkers realized it uh, professor then realizes and then you see his head turn 
And it's hilarious. It's this great comedic moment. And it's just like it it this is a that movie that does nothing most but connected take to those characters. Right, that's because true. they were us and we were all right. sort of laughing at the absurdity of that normal exchange. And he's like, Don't touch it. Like, like the fact that you well, answered this and it worked and he just makes a call after he that. Makes a call. It, it just returns to kind of mundanity after that. It's just such an interesting and it, like in a movie that does nothing if not takes its time, the fact that it takes its time to make a joke yeah. and to make a really interesting joke, like that that was just like this wasn't like it is also a tension breaker. Because yeah. they're they're on the threshold of the room and it gets really dark after that throats. too. Yeah. So it, it's it's just like it was a really nice kind of like you get to breathe now mm-hmm. before there's a bomb and mm-hmm. dudes sleeping with professor's wife 20 years ago it was like <laughs> cold blooded but yeah sorry I feel like no, I've punched great. myself out it's beautiful. just <laughs> gushing over this film it's alright and that's why we're here <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here so as much as I enjoyed the scene like looking back on it the, the last scene with the, the daughter and moving the glasses yeah. it, it just it seemed like and maybe it just falls in that category of like, oh, it had like ten different endings. Right. Yeah. But it was kind of like we Why? spent the whole yeah the whole film right? like kind of centered around these three guys, and then within those three guys, like you know the stalker more specifically, and you know and sure like you know there's this aspect of like his actions having this effect on his family, but. It, it, I mean, it was definitely something I would expect from a Marvel film. Yeah. Like this is the post-credit That's scene. Exactly. You know, like like the thinking. end of uh, uh, the the third X Men movie where Magneto loses his powers and he's playing chess, and, and you see the slightest the boom, and yeah. it goes and, and, and like like that's kind of what it was to me. It was like, like my brain understands that because I've seen things like that mm-hmm. but I, I was trying to put it in context mm-hmm. for this film and when it was made, and it would just it seems really out of place. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I feel like. Maybe I might be just giving it a pass, but it's like I feel like what it's hinting at with that scene and the one where she's on his shoulders and it's in color mm-hmm. is the fact that the zone is not contained anymore. Okay. The idea that it's beca- present in her and in the other children. Yeah. So regardless of the 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 hope that seems to have gone out of the world that uh, Stalker is talking about, it's bleeding through. And in, it's this next generation. Yeah. It's it's almost like pretty oh. bold face where like the next generation is gonna see the world in color. Okay. I like that. Where but like it, it all it it's also it spends so much time with the ambiguity of the zone's supernatural element. Right. Was, it just seems like a tacked on exploit. Well, it was actually real. Surprise, yeah. it was all supernatural. That's well, what I was it also say. fucked me up because, like, they're talking about. At one point, doesn't he say, maybe I should come live here with my wife and right. child? So when I saw it in color, like, I assumed that's where they were. Right. Like, why mm-hmm. would I think that, the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just like. And it's the tease. Like, it looks like she's walking. Maybe yeah. she's walking because she's gone to where zone. her power is, to, right? Or yeah. Where her mutation is. Or she's is. gone in the room and, like, hey, this my one wish in addition to having telekinetic powers I want to be able to walk again right you know? yeah no I, I definitely I, I think the writing there at the end it's a little muddied there's like yeah. it's not as succinct because we do have like sequences like these nightmares that he has in the zone where yeah. he goes back to gray yeah so it, like I've always interpreted those as him just having bad dreams of yeah. like the dog shows up in the dreams right for the first time yeah 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 no, I, I think definitely the writing at the end kind of falls 
through the floor. I, I, I'm making excuses for it because I love it so much. The last right, few right. scenes sort of lose their purpose. Yeah. I mean, the, you could have ended it with them just outside the room yeah. with the rain coming in. Like, that, that could have been the end. Like Zeke said, like, this is a great ending. It's lingered on. Let's let it breathe and be done. But it, it, it just would not end. Yeah. <laughs> in a movie that's so long and lingering to it overstay its welcome, mm. even, like, at the end is kind of the cardinal sin. Like, yeah. but, yeah. No, but it was... It was really good, though. Thank you guys yeah, for watching it. Great. I know this Thank one you was. For bringing it. Yeah. I keep bringing weird things and giving you no context no, for it. You don't need to stop apologizing for what you're bringing. That's the point. That's why we're here. This, this is not Rocky. This, this is like. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay because what's next is a little is much more straightforward. Is it time for your favorite segment, Joel? It is. And I'm going to put it right here. It is It is time for another situational movie <laughs> recommendation. Situational movie recommendations. Um, situational movie recommendations. <laughs> situational. Situational. Um, <laughs> so uh, what film comes to mind when you're thinking about the use of silence in a film? A Quiet Place. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna answer Damn. that actually. Ouch. Well, fuck me. <laughs> but I need to think. So. <laughs> I, I was trying to. Sometimes I linger on them too long. I felt like a quick answer would be good, and it was just there. So, um, but there's more. Let me think. Let me think. I have, I have another answer too. <laughs> if you say silence, the Scorsese film, I'm gonna kick you. No, I was gonna say 2001. <laughs> True. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, because it's just like you know, it's it's um, you know, it's it was that sort of antithesis to to Star Wars, and kind of like yeah. you were saying with like the gritty, like where Star Wars had that grittiness, but then mm. again, it also had like explosions and music and space, and this was like silence and things just slowly turning, mm. you know, and like that, like it, it yeah, it gave you a, a sense of of eternity and of being kind of just like stuck in space, and you know, and that it was almost more tense in those scenes because they weren't scored a lot of the time, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, and I, that, that, that a, a funny example of that, which also happened by accident. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but in, uh, uh, um, mall rats, the scene when Ben Affleck's character beats up, uh, Jason Lee's character in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was supposed to have music, but either it was a mistake and it got included by accident. Mm -hmm. And that scene is so much darker now. Cause it's just some dude beating up another dude as opposed to like, you know, having this quirky fun music. Right. Oh, this is a comedy show. And like, I remember watching the comedy, the commentary and like, kind of you know, like, Oh yeah. Like that, 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 that scene is very awkward and very, you know, it just, it makes it more real when you don't have music. Cause like real, real life doesn't have music you know in your you're stuck with silence and you're stuck with like just your thoughts you know and i feel like 2001 definitely does that like you're there's no kind of like with this like you know right the, the little train car like there's no cutting oh we're just going to cut from point a to c it's like no you need to go through line d to, to get to points yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um if you asked me to pick a space movie mine would have been alien okay just because the whole the whole film opens with many minutes of silence Plus the whole thing is in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah. Like but then throughout yeah. the film, the silence comes back whenever the characters aren't talking or right. taking action. And it's that really unnerving, like, the opening scene, the ship was dead. Mm -hmm. There was no life on this ship. 
And then, oh, the pods, and all the, oh, okay, people. And the first scenes of them getting dressed, and them eating, and the clatter of cutlery. And so whenever they're all in a room together, but just stop talking even, the ship is dead again. And it's mm -hmm. sort of unnerving throughout the whole thing. But my, in keeping with my multiple answer mm -hmm. streak, uh, I liked Blade Runner a lot for the silence you, you get in a land that's not <laughs> silent. Mm -hmm. um, just then, like, I'm not sure there is any actual silence anywhere in that film. Maybe a couple of the, like, stylized scenes, the dream or something, but mm -hmm. because he's in a city, and there's always stuff happening. There are cars going by, or right. ships, or noises, but there is lots of silent, lots of silence in that film, because that's what it's like to exist in a city, or in a place like that, mm -hmm. is that those noises become part of the silence. Yeah, the closest you get to silence. Right, they're just, they're not there anymore. They're not sound, they don't, ex they don't show up in your mind, because they're just sort of constant, and I, I love the way that accomplishes that more than regular films that just take place on city streets somehow because I feel like they always feel the desperate need to shove a car horn in somewhere or have someone get hit I'm walking mm -hmm. here but overall just Tarantino I've I've mentioned a lot that Tarantino likes to let likes to take his time with a scene mm -hmm. and especially with a conversation he likes to let characters just talk to each other and if that means that sometimes they just kind of sit and think or digest what the other person said it happens a lot it happens all the time in almost all his movies. That's true. Um, and there's not usually music going on when it happens. It's mm -hmm. just the two characters engaging. That's and the silence answer. is a line. It's part of the conversation. They're like playing that. the rests. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Hmm. That's mm. a good one. Also, in keeping with the, the space theme, um, the uh, uh, Star Trek remake... Um, I remember Ooh, yeah. Yeah, a few years ago when we had gone to then Comic-Con... Uh, I went to a panel that was, you know, about um, you know the music of the the new Star Trek films, and uh, in the first one, I think it is there were two scenes where they like where he chose specifically to not have sound when you dealt with space. It's the one where they get blasted, and everyone it like gets sucked out into space, and like the explosion is like, and it's mm -hmm. just like bodies floating in space in silence. And then the other one where they're doing that like dive onto the planet where they're trying to get to that big like the Halo fire, gym. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's like you do hear the breath because like you're in yeah. the suit with the person, yeah. But like all you hear is their breath, you know. So and then like slowly the kind of score creeps in as they're getting closer. But like yeah, like it's really jarring to have that like this climactic moment of like okay and jump. Yeah. And you're just no, like suspended. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To build on that one, I think, um, I mean, and I, I, I remember it as being silent. Maybe I was just, I couldn't hear anything over my tears. But after the snap in Infinity War, doesn't it let, yeah. there's, oh, there's yeah. some silence like, there, no. right? Yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah. God so that's, I'm going to go with that one. Oh, so that's, that's a good, good one. Holy shit, yeah. yeah. See, so you also gave me mine, but it's Last Jedi, the Holdo hyper-safe yes. bomb. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that is one of the most visually stunning things I've ever seen on screen. But yeah. the fact that they made it quiet... Yes. It was also like the final, like, yes. F you to Star Wars that Ryan <laughs> right. was like, yeah, you know how your explosions have... in space make noise? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. This is silent. So it was just like... Oh, this is so great. That one... That was yeah, oh, one of the moments I had of the... Uh, Tim just I'm so glad I'm in a theater. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Moments right yeah. this. That that did not in the five times I saw that one in theaters, that scene did not diminish in quality at all. That was so cool. And the first time I saw it, I thought it was a mistake. I thought the it cut out. 
It's like no, that's that's so much better without any sound. Like, it, and then seeing it again, it's like oh, that is actually and the quiet. sound that's amazing. Light catches up, <laughs> yeah, because light is faster than sound. Yeah. And light speed, but also uh, actually to sort of counter your your finger he was giving, <laughs> he gave a the, lot of fingers. The seismic charges in Clone Wars. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, those are my cool. favorite sound in Star Wars are... aside from lightsabers. <laughs> 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 because when they go off. All the sound stops. You know, yeah. like we're getting ship engines and we'll like <laughs> rattle the hatch and then bong, right? Nothing. Yeah, so. Yeah, those are really cool. Actually, another fun Comic Con <laughs> panel story. I did a panel with the, the two of the guys who had done the sound design on uh, the, the prequels, and I think even seven and maybe eight. Um, but they were saying how, like, when they first did that and passed it on to, like, you know, whoever sort of gets final say, I don't know if it's like the. Um, get the name of it but you know i think they were probably like the sound designers but this was like the sound editor or whoever whoever sure. you know and sent it back to them in a panic like there's a sound missing here there's there's you know like whatever sound you had when the th- explosion first happens it's gone you know it's like no no that's supposed to be silence there like they thought it was a mistake originally mm-hmm. ah, that's i just forget about that that is the one redeeming characteristic of that movie for me <laughs> I mean, one of the other redeeming characteristics of that for me is detective obi-wan honestly yeah, that's true. And that's, detective obi-wan yeah because that's sort of i we finally one of the things we missed by not getting to see between episodes two and three was I, I, detective, Star Wars I, noir was detective yes. kenobi and anakin just buddy copying their way through the galaxy <laughs> i'm gonna stop at this greasy spoon diner and ask you a few questions it's a gunther tooties it's space gunther tooties get this man a fedora dexter jexter why is that a thing <laughs> I'm very happy. Thank but you also all. a quiet place. I mean, you were <laughs> yeah. pretty no, that was that was the perfect answer. You, for, yeah. you blew <laughs> it wide open. But yeah. to give Squid Quiet Place some proper credit, though, like it would have been really easy for that movie to just ride on that gimmick and do it half-assedly, and like, oh yeah, it's a quiet movie. Oh, neener neener. Like, yeah. but but like every single decibel in yeah, actually, um, but every single decibel in a quiet place was so purposeful and yep. placed with such care and precision that it. You know, they could have done that really lazily, and a lot of people probably still would have seen it and still would have gone, Oh, it's so amazing, but they did it well anyway. You know, I'm really excited for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Same, it's apparently a prequel, at least part of it, it deals with prequel. Uh, um, they okay. released a quote unquote trailer that's like three minutes of video, mm-hmm. and it's from right after it happened. And the mom and the two kids are in the car, right? Yeah, that's the right, dad, that's right? right. A pre sequel, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> And then they traded Cillian Murphy for Krasinski. I mean, we've all seen Quiet Place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, they didn't trade him, like, because Krasinski, spoilers, passed away in the last one. Right. Like, the new male lead in it is Cillian Murphy. Which is kind of a throwback to his 48, or what, 28 days later, uh, um, post-apocalyptic, like... It's it. It was a stretch. I took a shot. <laughs> anyway, stalker, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, thank <laughs> you. We're all drained. It's very late. Thank you for bringing that to us. Thank you guys for stalker, watching. Stalker, I don't even know. What we're <laughs> I barely had the energy to make that. Like, I wish you had. <laughs> so does she. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> Uh, 
All right. That's so. what who said. Uh, I never know. <laughs> Scott, you're oh, up next. Writer, I hardly know her. Writer <laughs> hard. <laughs> Oh, man. None of this is useful. None of this is useful. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. I am picking our next film, uh, and I am picking Bullet. Yeah, Steve McQueen, yeah. Uh, murder mystery. One of the best car faces in all of cinematic history. I. That's it. Enough said. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's just time. I've been craving a rewatch for a while, and I also just feel like I. I want a more straightforward film in our, to be my <laughs> my next pick. No. <laughs> to be, just, to be, well, because you know I've brought us I brought us Lahane and I've brought us yeah, some. No, you, you definitely did the art some house. some unusual stuff. Yeah. I just I want to pick something normal and just sit back and go. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. We liked it and have that be the conversation yeah. the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> so. So for an example of that, just listen to our what was the uh, not drive the other one, oh. Fa- not Fast and Furious, uh, Need, Need for Speed. Speed. That oh, yeah, the other car movies the that we've watched movie. because yeah. Scott's brought it to the hey. podcast. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, bullet, for, bullets for great. A precursor for our bullet discussion. See Need for Speed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a, it's a really great McQueen is just such a killer leading man in that. And, and he just nails the character and the portrayal. And I, I've heard that he wasn't the happiest with the portrayal of police in that and the justice mm. system and whatnot. Or something about that is the reason he turned down Dirty Harry, basically. Some of his experience from Bullet, I think. I may have completely misread uh, a you know trivia sheet somewhere. Mm. But it's just a really great story well told that takes place in its present day and thankfully in a way that holds up you know it doesn't doesn't date very well it would have been really easy for them to try to adapt a bullet story into an older like to make a 40s noir mm-hmm. and just sort of not mind but someone somewhere said screw that we're just gonna make it right now like the story's good the bones are good and they did and it worked nice. and you could make it today and it would still work except maybe for cell phones ruining well. plots of everything <laughs> that came before um <laughs> But other than that, yeah, I just champion of the turtleneck. God, yes, this he wears a, turtleneck throughout that. He looks so damn life. good. Is it a tactile neck? I mean, you know, does he have five oh, black man. and five slightly darker shades of black? <laughs> no, but it's great, and and like I said, the the sense of place is sort of just happens to be where they are San Francisco and mm-hmm. Lane 69 and I wonder why this appeals to you <laughs> the, one, the only thing that potentially comes up as David is the soundtrack but I'll admit I'm kind of a sucker for the music they're using so it doesn't sour it for me but <clears throat> what's the uh, um, no <laughs> <laughs> well, it's anchor I mean that's, that's still alive today so. yeah so. <laughs> so yeah we'll we'll watch it it'll be great um, you've seen it I think Joel no right? I haven't oh you sounded like you had no. from the way you talked about it have any of you seen Bullet no. seen part of it okay how finished. like middle beginning uh, beginning in it was in college. A professor threw it sure. on. It was like, "Here's the beginning of Bullet." Well, <laughs> sure. all right. Here's the that? rest of it. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Then yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and something no, new. I'm, I'm so. happy to be able to see that one now. So that'll be. I'm, I'm excited. That should be great. Stalker was wonderful. Joel. It was quite a journey. Uh, Zeke, Tim, thank you both for joining us. Of course, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, until next time, listeners. Bye. 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 Adios. Hey listeners, we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. We'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. 
You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. If you want to find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at scott underscore w underscore murray, or on Twitter at scottmntg. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at joelt18. And I'm on Twitter at nerdsthatzeke. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard, And on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more. Thank you.